I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have been obsessed with the U.S. versus China story for a couple of years now. I don't remember why or how it got on my radar, but man, I just I just suck up everything I can find about it. And uh, we talked to Josh Rogan a while back. This is something about COVID in China or something. Anyway, he's got a new book out, Chaos Under Heaven, Trump G in the Battle for the 21st Century. Josh Rogan is the global opinions columnist for the Washington Post. And man, some great reviews. I just read the Wall Street Re- uh, Journal review on this last night is, one of the first great books on the, what is going to be the story for the next century or more, the U.S. versus China. Josh Rogan joins us. Josh, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. Great to be back with you. Um, just in general, the, the, my statement correct that this is maybe the biggest story in the world for the next century, U.S. versus China? Yes, not only is the U.S.-China uh, uh, relationship the most important bilateral relationship of our lifetime that's increasingly obvious it's also the biggest story for every country in the world because every country in the world is now suffering through a coronavirus pandemic that originated in china so there are seven billion people who are suddenly quite aware of the fact that what happens in beijing doesn't stay in beijing and that to some degree and we can debate how much the actions and character of the chinese communist party affect our lives our national security our public health our prosperity in undeniable ways so that's like an awakening that now we, it's not just you know certain people and certain, everybody can agree on that. Now the question is, what do we do about it? Well, we know the answer to this question, but where do you stand on the issue of the origin of the coronavirus, the lab leak theory, uh, the rest of it? You know, I got to tell you, I I was the, one of the first reporters in April 2020 to publish about the still unproven but very plausible theory that the outbreak was related to a mistake at one of these Wuhan labs. And, you know, for over a year, I was just amazed that no one would talk about it, that people would talk about it, would get insulted and, and, and shouted down. And it was just crazy. And now here we are 18 months after the outbreak and there's still been no investigation. And my point is not that we know that it came from the lab. My point is we, we have to check it out. In other words, we can't rule it out. So we have to check it out. It seems like a pretty, 
reasonable and obvious thing to say. It's always seemed that way to me, but now all of a sudden the mainstream media and uh, different parts of the government, including the Biden administration, are like, oh, wait a second. You're telling me that there were a bunch of bat coronaviruses next to the outbreak? We did check out those labs that had all the bat coronaviruses? That's crazy. We should check it out. So I'm not saying we know it came from the lab. I'm just saying we should probably check it out. We do a lot of media criticism, and so we've talked a lot about the, you know, uh, whether it was uh, it was important to be anti-Trump and Trump was pushing the narrative or whatever it is in the media. But inside a government, that's what's fascinating to me. What was going on, to your mind, inside a government that was causing some scientists to ignore what seems like the most likely cause? Or to actively cover right. it up. And that's right. They absolutely did that. And they're, they're, it's really important because you're right. It wasn't just the media that wanted to sort of dismiss the lab leak theory because they couldn't, they didn't want Trump to be right about anything. You know, like even the broken clock is right twice a day. The guy was bound to be right about something, whether you like him or not. And the media just couldn't deal with that. But inside the government, you had a couple of things going on. One, you had the scientists who were the closest to the lab and who were collaborators with the Wuhan Institute of Virology and all these other bad coronavirus labs in China. Uh, calling it a conspiracy theory to cover their own butts because they didn't want anyone to look into the lab because that would mean that we were looking into them. In other words, the lab leak theory doesn't just implicate China. It implicates all of our scientific collaboration with China because we built those labs along with the French. We gave them this technology. We taught them how to play around with viruses, and then they built another part of the lab that they didn't tell us about, and no one was watching it, and that's why... The lab leak theory is so sensitive to the scientific community in the U.S. because it implicates us. It implicates Fauci and Collins and all these guys who are doling out the money that is going to these Chinese labs that no one was paying attention to. And that relates to what was going on inside the government because if you're the intelligence community, if you just think about it, the lab leak theory is true. Well, then that's that's bad for them, too, because they missed it because we spend $86 billion a year on intelligence stuff. And zero of it was pointed at this network of risky labs doing risky research that was funded by U.S. taxpayers. And that's pretty awful if that's true. And that's why you, and then, of course, you know, the, some of the intelligence guys didn't like the Trump people and they didn't want them to be right either. And, you know, the media trusted the scientists and the intelligence guys trusted the same scientists. So it was like a perfect storm of BS. And by the time we started to figure it out, it was all too late. Do you are you willing to call it a cover up? Absolutely. Well, there's several cover ups. There's the first and foremost the Chinese Communist Party cover up, which is not just about the origins, which is about everything. They covered up the scientists. They jailed the whistleblowers. Uh, you know, they jailed the journalists. They kept all of the science that they had away from the internet. They continue to to this day. They won't give us vital information that could help us in our response to. to like how the information that they have while our citizens are getting sick and dying, not just us, people all over the world. So that's the first cover-up. The second cover-up is the one by the American scientists uh, who are the friends of the lab, and that's all being revealed now in all these emails that are getting released. But we kind of knew it already. In other words, the scientists went around and they wrote all these papers in scientific journals that said, it's a conspiracy theory if you mention the lab. Right? Meanwhile, they were writing emails to each other, which were like, hey, the lab might be involved, we should probably check it out. So they were telling us one thing and telling themselves a completely different thing. That's the nature of the deception. That's the, that's another cover-up right there. You know what I mean? So there's two cover-ups. Right. What is it about the nature of communist systems that gives us a Chernobyl, that gives us a, an outbreak of the coronavirus? That's a, really, 
that's a really good question because this sort of relates to the overall theme of the book, right, which is that what we're dealing with here is a, a party state that uh, has no moral compunction, that will stoop to any level, do anything to protect its own political interests, which it places above everything else. So in other words, what we have to understand is that, first of all, the Chinese Communist Party is not looking out for us, for certainly, right? They're also not looking out necessarily for the Chinese people or even China's nation. They're looking out for the party. That means protecting the party. That means they will even subject their own people to horrendous suffering to protect the party. That's how you get a cover-up like this. That's how you could have a worldwide pandemic, and they're just like, you know what, screw you. We're not going to tell you anything. What are you going to do about it? That's their attitude, right, which is shocking and horrible, right? The other thing it tells you is that, you know, when, the, when they're setting up all of these engagements with us, whether it be scientific engagement or academic or political or trade, they're thinking about how the, to weaponize those engagements against us. So that means like Fauci and Collins and all these scientists who are like, how could these Chinese researchers do something bad? They're just trying to do research and we're trying to save, save the world. And, you know, that how they wouldn't do that. What, what these American scientists don't realize is that in their system, in the CCP system, the scientists don't get to make those decisions. It's all controlled by the party. And the party will do anything, including let billions of people get sick and die if they think it's in their political interest for their time being, and that's exactly what happens. The book is Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, G and the Battle for the 21st Century. We're talking with Josh Rogan, who's a a global opinions columnist for the Washington Post. So you think the big mistake was our scientists trusted the Chinese? Not only did we trust, we didn't verify. It's one thing to have a collaboration. It's another thing to let it just grow into a $200 million network of labs that no one's watching, not the intelligence community, not the scientists, not the government. And, of course, they took that technology and built another side of the lab with their military. That's what we now know. That's not a Trump administration claim alone. That's what the Biden administration confirmed. We, we built up a huge virus research industry in China, and they took it, and then they built another side of the lab, the side we didn't know about, with their military to do God knows what. Okay? And, and that's, that's a perfect recipe for a disaster. And, you know, yeah, I could say that, like, you know, the American scientists, maybe they truly believe that their Chinese scientists' friends uh, wouldn't do that to them, but then they're horrendously naive. God, I say. When, when the pandemic hit, it was all the people who understood China who knew, who knew what the score was. And it was the national security people who really understood the nature of the CCP who looked at their actions and said, of course they're lying. Of course they're hiding stuff. Because that's what they did in the SARS epidemic 12 years pri- or 20 years prior. They just did it again. The problem was the first time it only killed 8,000 people. This time it killed 3.5 million and counting. When we come back with Josh Rogan, uh, we want to talk uh, more specifically about the battle for the 21st century, uh, chaos under heaven, Trump, she, and the battle for the 21st century being the title of the book, and, and how interesting it is and notable that that, that break, that pivot to open rivalry uh, took place during the Trump administration of all time. So, Josh, if you can hang on, we, uh, we're going to get right back to it in moments. Stay with us. our first segment with Josh Rogan about his book Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, G, and the Battle for the 21st Century. Go to the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com because we got in specifically to a lot of the uh, the coronavirus and the origins and the cover-up, not just by China, but by our own damn scientists as to how this whole thing started, which is really, really troubling.
Josh, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Hundred Year Marathon by Pillsbury. We've uh, we've talked about that sure. a, a b- book a lot. And um, his argument, and he was with the, the 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 Nixon administration, is going back to Nixon opening China. China has been playing us this entire time, and we thought, no, 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 this is good news. But they they knew what they were doing all along. Did Trump, in his unique way, uh, did he open the eyes of people in America and to the world of what China is really up to, do you think? I think the administration uh, did a lot of that work, and it was really important. Of course, they, it wasn't all good. Some of it they did uh, in a pretty chaotic way. That's why my book is called Chaos Under Heaven. But, yeah, I know... The book Hundred Year Marathon and Pillsbury is in the in my book too. And you know the bottom line is that you know we had this forty year, fifty year bet that if we just engaged the Chinese Communist Party as much as possible and integrated them into our system as much as possible, that they would liberalize and become more like us first economically and then politically, and that would solve all of our problems that we could avoid, avoid the Cold War and all that. Uh, and whether or not you think that was a good bet or a bad bet, Pillsbury thinks it was a bad bet. Other people say that was a reasonable bet to make that time. My view is it doesn't really matter. Now we just have to realize that the bet has failed. Not because we weren't nice about it, not because we weren't good intentions, but because China decided to go another way. And especially since Xi Jinping came to power, they're taking China in the opposite direction. And they're becoming less liberal and more repressive and more aggressive. And and then they're also interfering in our free and open societies, and we can't have that. And so now, whether or not you think it was good or bad bet, we have to realize that that's over and we have to have a new strategic response. And I think that's what you see the Biden administration actually saying very clearly. That doesn't mean we're doing it, but at least we're saying it, which is the, the first thing. So that pivot from frenemies to openly rivals, it was going to happen. It had to happen. Was there something about Trump and his personality that that accelerated the timetable? Absolutely. You know, the thing about the Trump administration is that they didn't care about, you know, what were the sort of like the rules of Washington and that those rules of Washington constrained U.S.-China policy for all this time because the China issue was run by the, the China experts, and they're the ones who got us largely into this mess in the first place. So you, it just opened the Overton window of what was possible inside the government. And then, uh, of course, there were a lot of competitions, and not everybody inside the Trump administration agreed on China. You know, people like uh, Mike Pompeo and Steve Mnuchin totally disagreed. But the point is that all of new things, all of these new things were on the table. And so all of a sudden you started to see confronting China in our schools and in our capital markets and even in Hollywood and in the tech industry. And I'm not saying it all went perfectly. I'm just saying that all of those options were now at least being explored. And now uh, the Biden administration is trying to step through them to see which parts of the Trump-China policy they want to keep and they want to discard. And they're actually keeping a lot more than you would have thought, right? If that's, that should be a sign, you know, that the Biden people who are like hate all the Trump stuff on all the other countries. They hate the Trump, you know, Russia approach. They hate the Trump Iran approach. But on China, they're basically continuing most of it. Uh, that means uh, they probably saw a lot of it in, in there that was uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that for all the talk in the media and, you know, on the campaign trail about how awful Trump's approach was, the tariffs are still in place. A lot of the stuff's still in place um, this far into Biden's presidency. Um, where oh, I just keep thinking that the, the, the break is going to come with U.S. businesses in China, and it's inevitable, too. Like Joe said, it was inevitable we went from frenemies to enemies. At what point do does the NBA, does Apple, does everybody just have to stop doing business with China? Do you think that's coming? Yeah, no, I think the business community is still split because I think 
And I think the fight over this inside the Biden administration is still coming. Like they haven't appointed a lot of the people in like Treasury and these places. Those are the people who are going to push back and say, no, 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 no. We just got to get rid of the tariffs and go back to business to avoid the Cold War, whatever nonsense they're going to come up with. And so I think in the business community, you first of all have the companies that are corporate hostages, right? Like the Apples and the NBA, and they they know they've got a problem, right? They're making money in China, but for how long? You know, and the squeeze is, is on, you know what I mean? So I think we should actually help those companies not get bullied around by the CCP. Uh, then the, on the other side, there's the financial services companies, which are pushing for more engagement because they are uh, have a corrupt interest in in getting out of this Cold War thing. So if you look at the Goldman Sachs's and the Bloomberg Barclays and the MSCI and the Morgan Stanley's of the world, uh, they're pumping money into China and taking Chinese money hand over fist because uh, they're pushing back against this realization that we're in this competition. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a problem, actually, a problem that we have to be really clear-eyed about. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's going to be like, you know, decoupling with China is going to be like giving up meth, heroin, and smoking all on the same week. I mean, it's going to be an enormous disruption. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you have so many American elites on both sides of the aisle who are thoroughly compromised, who are corrupted, who are making money on both ends and have an interest in telling us that their national security threat is fake and that it's all just, you know, Mike Pompeo, Donald Trump, Cold War nonsense. But, you know... Uh, to them, I would say, well, then you have to accuse the Biden administration of being part of that, too, because uh, they're saying that the threat is real. They're saying that we have to have some limited decoupling, not total decoupling, but some limited decoupling to protect ourselves so that, you know, the next time the Chinese Communist Party gets mad about a tweet, the entire NBA doesn't suffer. Or the next time that there's a pandemic, that they don't have all their masks, all the masks in the world that they hang over our heads to tell us to shut up about the origin of the coronavirus, which hey, is exactly what happened. Josh, I want to jam in one more question. Your book is Chaos Under Hubbin, Trump, Xi, and the Battle for the 21st Century. This is short. Is it inevitable that China, China took Hong Kong? Are they going to take, take Taiwan? We nothing's have 20 inevitable, seconds. But the, nothing's inevitable, but the threat is rising. And not, what I say is that the best way to ensure their aggression is to do nothing, and that their appetite grows with the eating. And we've seen that appeasement doesn't work so if we don't if we want to avoid them taking taiwan then we have to stand up for taiwan now we have to do that now we have to support taiwan more Interesting. now and i hope the Biden administration will do that soon hey, josh thanks for your time the great book chaos under heaven trump she in the battle for the 21st century we hope to have you on again that was good stuff right there Yeah, thanks a million wow great conversation armstrong and getty The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.